Hi, you're listening to the Coding Black Females podcast, where we'll be sharing recordings of our events and inspirational stories and discussions from black women in tech. Welcome, everybody, to um, another evening where we're going to have a fantastic discussion um, as part of Coding Black Females. For those of you who don't know about Coding Black Females or if this is your first event, we're a fantastic, energetic, amazing community that I absolutely love. Um, I'm the founder of Coding Black Females, I'm Charlene. Um, we were set up back in 2017 as a way to get Black women to meet other Black women in tech, and it's absolutely fantastic. We're primarily a community of developers and based in the UK, but we do have people overseas and abroad who are part of the community, and it's really exciting times. We're growing a lot, we're doing a lot of amazing stuff. We have an amazing bootcamp that's running at the moment as well. So it's all really exciting. I'm really excited to have you all here this evening. Um, today, we've got Rajin, who is joining us from Los Angeles. He's a software solutions cloud engineer at Netflix, and he's going to be telling us about his career, how he got into his career, and giving us a bit of insight. But do you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody a bit about yourself? Yes, sure. Uh, good morning. Good evening, everyone. Uh, she said I'm here in LA for you guys abroad. Good evening. Good afternoon, whatever it may be. I uh, want to thank you guys for having me, Coding Black Females. Uh, Lorna, big shout out for kind of reaching out to me and letting me know. So it's been a great ride so far. Uh, so yeah, just to kind of intro, uh, my name is Rajin. I'm a senior solutions engineer at Netflix. I've uh, been with Netflix for about a year now. Uh, it's been a great ride been fantastic, great company, great culture. Uh, as you may know, there's a lot of diversity initiatives going on right now within the tech community. And we have been kind of spearheading just from what I've been seeing internally within our organization. So uh, that's very promising for, of course, people of color and especially people of uh, African descent. So uh, it's about time for us to kind of move on and get along with this, the rest of this economy. So. Uh, I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, I guess I'll start with my intro. Uh, so yeah, background. I'm uh, pretty much a systems engineer. I've been focused on cloud for about 10 years now. I started in cloud heavy pretty much early in my career. Uh, started with AWS, of course, Amazon Web Services. Uh, that's huge. You probably see the commercials all over the place. They're doing huge marketing ad campaigns, so quite sure you've heard of it. But uh, started in the entertainment industry, actually, by way of uh, gaming. Uh, I pretty much started within networking, so telecommunications. I know you guys in the UK are all aware of British telecoms. So kind of got my opening start to tech within a, a network operating center within British telecoms. Uh, worked that for quite a few years, about two years. Got a lot of fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals of basic tech, uh, networking, things of that nature, how a packet is routed, what the actual packet is, uh, payloads, things of that nature. Um, so kind of got certified in Cisco stuff, figured uh, this networking stuff is kind of boring. I need something more creative, something where I can think out of the box and kind of really get fresh with things. So I kind of moved on to coding. Um, I've become proficient in quite a few languages now. Um, I kind of go to like JavaScript or Ruby. Those are my kind of go-to guys, but I started to pick up code, which kind of led me into the entertainment industry. Um, as I said, I worked for Activision Blizzard. Uh, we were, I was a part of the Call of Duty uh, Warfare or Call of Duty Elite app team. So we were basically 
tasked with supporting the entire uh, Call of Duty Elite application that was similar, pretty much a companion app to the video game. So uh, I got a lot of exposure to uh, what they now coin as DevOps uh, or, or cloud native infrastructure and work processes. Uh, so these include things such as continuous integration, continuous deployment, uh, or CICD for short, uh, for building out softwares, deploying softwares in a very reliable manner, uh, as far as and as well as uh, in a very scalable manner. So we all know we love our web apps, we love streaming, we love pretty much our phones, but all of this doesn't work through magic. It, it takes a lot of infrastructure and a lot of applications in between. Uh, I've been kind of pushing myself into conquering this entire model, which has allowed me to become an entire solutions engineer rather than simply software, as uh, there are separate tracks you can go on within tech. Uh, for some reason, I'm weird like that, so I just kind of took on the entire stack, so to say. So uh, if you guys may have heard of something called the OSI model, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty much the basis of all tech. Uh, it's been around forever, uh, but that's something that for beginners definitely is worthwhile learning. Uh, you don't have to learn the entire thing. You can just stay at the layers you would like to, but uh, as I said, I'm kind of a weird guy, so I kind of tried to conquer the whole thing uh, in one bite. So as I said, uh, it's been, been a great run at Netflix. Um, prior to Netflix, of course, I was uh, in Germany, actually. Uh, after leaving the gaming industry, I moved to Germany for about five years where I worked for uh, Coke Technology Services which you guys may be aware of as well, coming from the UK. So uh, got a lot of real just projects out and really pushing code, uh, really just taking it on my own initiative to build out solutions for the organization, show them your worth, show them that that your work is really good and they find real value in that. So that's that's the core of, of any engineer's job is to just make, you know, your organization find value in what you build. Uh, it's not so much of being able to build it. It's about knowing what to build, when to build it, and how to kind of deliver that in a fashion where uh, the stakeholders are going to know, okay, this has value for us. We're going to actually generate maybe revenue, maybe a new product line, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, you want to prove that value uh, in your organization. So I was able to really kind of build out my coding skill sets as I had a lot of autonomy uh, within that position to just kind of dig deep into these, you know, O'Reilly books, if you never heard of them, pragmatic programmers, all of this crazy nonsense that's kind of boring for most people. Uh, it's definitely boring for me, not to, to say the least, you know, it was, but it, it takes dedication, um, you know, motivation and discipline to really stick it out because once you kind of figure out how to put these functions together and build classes and all of that cool, fun stuff, objects, then it starts to really take off really fast. So. Um, as I said, I got a tons of exposure while in Germany, uh, just building out separate applications and uh, operating or operational support systems for our organization uh, to help executive decision makers decide on what what moves should be made. Uh, for instance, allow our call center teams to understand when calls were being dropped from their call centers, rather than just getting a customer saying, hey, uh, what happened? <laughs> I lost you. We could actually track that call through software or through code and get the durations of those calls and find basic errors. So it's a lot of things you can kind of do. Uh, I've been across the spectrum as far as telco and entertainment. So it's kind of a mix for me because uh, that 
it's the route that I've taken, but it's definitely been well worth it, uh, which has now landed me here at Netflix. Um, prior to Netflix, of course, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was only going to say, like, um, I absolutely love the fact that you're at Netflix. It's literally, I think Netflix has been the thing that has got me through the pandemic. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only person because most of my conversations are about Netflix and mm-hmm. um, what we're going to watch next. But it's been really like good hearing a, an insight into your entry into the industry. Mm-hmm. But why did you actually choose that career? Like, why have you chosen to become a solutions engineer? So that's a good question. Uh, not a simple answer, I should say. It wasn't really a direct path. I pretty much started off in the military. I Once I got out of high school, I went straight into the military at 17. Uh, I was a tank mechanic, actually. Uh, so it really had nothing to do with computers other than we could hook up a computer to a tank and do some stuff, but it wasn't that crazy. So uh, after I got out the military, I was kind of lost. I had my first son, I was married. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I was a mechanic working for tractor trailers and just working on tractor trailers. And I'm like, I can't do this forever. This isn't my life. Like, no. So um, this was around 2006, 2007, maybe when uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, it was like these crazy reality shows where they were showing doctors lives and plastic surgeons lives. And I started to get caught up in this whole, oh, I want that kind of lifestyle type mentality so I'm like oh I think I want to be a plastic surgeon and I'm like okay let's just start and it sounded grand I go back to Germany they're like no you just can't go to school over here like that Um, you have to actually learn the language so that kind of put a hinder on my plans because I definitely wasn't going to pay for American school Um, so I started googling jobs that just kind of pay really really well Um, and I came across tech It was literally a Google search. I had no real background in working with computers other than sending an email or looking up something on YouTube. Back then, we what maybe had Black Planet, so set up a Black Planet page or a MySpace page, but nothing real, real in depth. It was basic, basic. So uh, I saw the salaries involved. I knew I had a family to raise, and it was just kind of a sure thing from there. It was like I just gave my all into it. I really didn't have any set path to get here it was just literally google pointed me to this great salary so hey why not i'll go for it and it just so happened that it worked out oh awesome i love that so if you say you googled it and you saw this great industry how did you actually get into it what did you have to do to to get into the industry so that's when i pretty much started school um uh, i have i completed my bachelor's in mis so um, I, I didn't learn a lot of coding throughout my degree. Uh, I did take a couple of certifications for things like Cisco just to get my foot in the door while I was still in school. So you can prove to the employers that you have some work experience or some experience in, in general. So that kind of opened up my foot or opened up the door to BT for me uh, to actually find the employment and, and understand the ins and outs of the, the industry and, and the tech stacks and all of that. So um, while I was in school, I was pretty much working full-time as well, going to school full-time to figure out where to finish my degree and finally uh, finish that. And it's kind of been, yeah, match made in heaven from there. Oh, nice. So now that you're at Netflix, what's the general day like? What, what do you actually do in your day-to-day job? 
Yeah, so day-to-day, um, it's really involved, I would say, because I'm constantly meeting with stakeholders to go over uh, solution design, solution implementation, status of, of solutions. So um, it can be anywhere from, I'll take about five, 10 minutes just to go through and skim through emails. And usually I'll have a meeting by the t- within my first hour uh, with a stakeholder. I'll update them on the status of a, very, of a solution that I'm designing or working on. And pretty much from there, it'll be go back into kind of not a silo, but just back to work. Um, it's, it's kind of a lot of autonomy within Netflix to where I can really just hammer out solutions and not have to worry about a lot of oversight, mm-hmm. bureaucracy and all of that. It's more so uh, they have everything streamlined to where you kind of self-develop or everything is self-contained. So you don't really have to worry about like breaking Netflix if you do something kind of crazy so um it's mostly just developing solutions for the entertainment industry for instance uh the biggest solution i've delivered so far this year of course with COVID going on uh we were in disaster recovery mode so uh we didn't know how to get artists to be able to be create content so for instance we support the animation studios well we support the entire studio but uh animation was one of the portions that needed to basically get up and running as fast as possible. So uh, being that we leveraged AWS to actually run Netflix, uh, I was able to come up with the idea to leverage AWS to actually run uh, workstations for our artists to develop on. So uh, our artists are now able to be home, work remotely, still develop and create all the content they want as if they were sitting in the office. Uh, Prior to that, they were having connectivity issues of course, bandwidth between their home and our core sites would be horrendous. So they're like, I've only gotten like two hours of work done in the last eight hours. This is like unmanageable. Uh, So uh, that was a huge achievement on our end, our team's end and delivering that that solution as it really saved the business, uh, the studio business from from not being able to create content. So uh, I got a shout out and some cookies. So that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of day to day, just pushing out solutions. Um, for instance, a new solution I've been working on is, uh, with Unreal Engine, uh, we're looking to create environments or, or movie sets, so to say, uh, with Unreal Engine. So instead of having people actually on set, uh, we can just have them say in a, in a hall or in in a stage area, uh, and we'll film them in the stage area and then. Uh, Our artists can use Unreal Engine's uh, multi-user editor server to actually collaborate and render all of their content, uh, tag and save all of their content within this architecture. So it's a self-deployed, self-contained architecture that we're able to just deploy per set or per show or per film. uh, And they can kind of get up and running uh, with this solution to develop uh, or create their content virtually. So it's pretty much a virtual uh, production environment. So that's pretty fun. That's been really, really fun so far. Oh, that sounds, that does sound really interesting. Um, I think that what I didn't, what I probably didn't gather about Netflix in general from the way that you've been speaking is it's not just a, it's not just a streaming site. (laughs) It's so much more than that, so much more. Um, Yeah, so do you get to do, um, to work on different streams of work, or do you work in a really specific department? How how is it actually set up? Exactly. So Netflix is kind of tiered in these different business units. Uh, so 
their customers of customers, so to say, or clients of so our customers are clients and subdivisions within Netflix. So I'm strictly in the studio space. As you know, Netflix has been producing its own content for quite a while now. So uh, we're basically responsible for all studio workflows uh, from pre-production to post-production to production. So whether it's setting up the actual site, we have engineers that, that are uh, basically experts in setting up and designing rooms for, for sound quality and, and all of this crazy stuff you need to, that goes into developing films. Uh, then you have people like myself who actually bolt all of this together so we can actually process this data or get this content from point A from a camera, for instance, into the streaming platform. So there's a lot that goes into that from the time a camera or start shooting on set to the time that data is captured, processed, cut, edited, and then sent on to the actual streaming platform for, for viewing of our customers. So I'm on the studio side. Uh, I'm pretty much across that entire board. Uh, we're working for everything uh, within the studio. So it's it's been fun. It's been real. I'm not on the product side, the actual streaming side. Uh, we're purely studio. Oh, okay. So is it like different, it sounds like different businesses within one big exactly. business. That's exactly. Well. exactly. <laughs> and we service the needs of the various business units. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is cloud engineering? For people who don't know, what actually is cloud engineering? Yes. Yeah, so cloud engineering is basically systems engineering. Uh, it's a it's a segment of systems engineering, uh, but instead of you having to manage a data center with all of those systems inside of that data center, uh, everything is now virtualized using software and HTTP and HTTPS. Um, so when you think of cloud, really just think of the web. Uh, think of how you would enter a URL into a web browser and it goes somewhere. Instead of that, you're using a web browser to go to a web page you're actually connecting to an internet device using basic internet protocols or connectivity protocols such as uh, secure shell. So uh, you spin up a actual piece of resource within the cloud or AWS. So this resource could be a database, it can be a server, it can be a, a, a video rendering system. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter because AWS has such a, a wide variety of services, but uh, for the main portion, it's an EC2, which is their Elastic Container Service, uh, or Elastic Compute Service, I mean, uh, that's the main resource most of the time we'll use uh, for getting applications launched in the cloud. When you think of the cloud, just think of instead of the server being in the database or in the data center at your local organization's data org or data center, just think of it being at Amazon's data center and you're connecting into that over the internet. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that I think that that's it's because of the term cloud. I think it makes mm -hmm. it sound like you can either use the servers in your house or you can use magic over there. Absolute magic. It's it's definitely not magic. It's uh it's a lot of connections, uh, protocols in use. Of course, you have your internet connection at home that we're streaming toward uh, from. And so instead of it directing your content or your, your data to Zoom, uh, you could direct that to an EC2 instance, which could be possibly a VPN gateway or a website. Uh, for instance, Zoom has most likely a lot of infrastructure running on AWS. Uh, tons of people, the NFL, 
Uh, of course, a lot of the soccer leagues, I'm starting to see commercials on uh, with AWS stats. So it, it's more so just a data center for anywhere. Just think of anywhere you can raise up a data center and you would want to create a data center. It's mm -hmm. a cheap alternative. Okay, thank you for that. So um, obviously you're currently working in Netflix, which is classed as entertainment tech is probably how you deem it. Um, and you've done some work in other industries as well. What would you deem, having worked in different industries, what would you see as the differences? Like, are there core differences between entertainment? Are there certain types of backgrounds that are really key for entertainment? How do you see that? Yes, the entertainment is a great industry. Uh, the, the people, the population of people are just so light and just kind of cool and easygoing. That's been a real huge plus being in this industry compared to, for instance, the telecommunications industry where there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy and just people are always either no and chase it up the line, they can't command line and it's like, no, uh, let's just get it done. So within the entertainment industry, you have a lot more loose, looseness, I would say. People aren't as uptight, of course, because we're bringing fun to people. Uh, entertainment is kind of core to generating some type of, you know, usefulness within it. So. It's like we're bringing that enjoyment and fulfilling something for those people. So the industry is a lot lighter than say, for instance, telco or maybe even finance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you must get a lot of, I guess, cause it's quite visible. You get a lot of people who must say really positive things to you a lot and mm -hmm. get excited about the fact that you work for an organization that means that we all have something to watch on TV. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's really exciting. Um, so have you noticed how, what the differences are again, like being black in the field. So in other industries, have you noticed any differences like that? Or is it mainly the same across the board? Uh, it's pretty what much. Have you the, what have you yeah, noticed? it's pretty much the same. I mean, I've worked in Germany and kind of corporate Germany, as well as worked for BT and traveled to the UK extensively for working well at BT. Um, so just being black in tech, it's always going to be that bit of stigma as are you really in tech <laughs> or uh, what are you really doing here? Uh, do you belong here? Uh, you know, feelings of inadequacy sometimes. I've kind of fought with that early in my career, uh, as they call it, imposter syndrome, um, because it's just the, the way of the, the industry. Uh, it's not a lot of us there, honestly. Uh, there's literally, I maybe work with two other black engineers. Uh, and this is in, t in our entire product organization. Uh, you're talking hundreds of people within this org. And as far as engineering employee, employee, uh, employees, there's only three. So yeah. um, there's definitely a lot of work to be done. Uh, you're going to feel it. I've been passed over for promotions. Uh, I've been looked over, you know, knowing that I bring real value into an organization and they choose to, you know, just kind of, you know, crap all over it and say, well, no, we're not doing that anymore. So you still have to go through that uphill battle of being black and, and just persisting. It's more so about persistence and not letting, you know, let, let, letting that industry get to you and the people within that industry get to you because if they don't have anything else better to do, just be productive. It's like, if they're gonna spend their time uh, nitpicking at what I'm doing and I'm actually bringing value, then sure, they'll eventually hopefully get fired and if not, whatever. Um, this is this is just life as we know it. Uh, unfortunately, we are the minority and 
usually the minority doesn't get too much say yeah. in, in things. So we kind of just roll with the punches. It's interesting because I, I really thought it would have been different um, in America, I guess. I only at least Netflix has been a, a refresher. I would say Netflix yeah. has been a refresher, uh, yeah. a refreshing experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as prevalent, I would say, within Netflix. I have gone up to Silicon Valley and gotten looks like, who are you? Like, this is the engineering floor. Um, why are you up here? Kind of looks. It wasn't like blatant, like, why are you here? But you kind of kind of what those loose those looks are yeah. so um you, you'll have those little microaggressions as they like to call them i call them aggressions period yeah. there's none such thing as micro or unconscious bias you're either biased or you're not um so you know you're gonna go through it but it's on you on how you deal with it as an individual there are no you know champions for black people within these organizations to say mm -hmm. hey you know um did you get your feelings hurt today or did you get anything racially said or something derogatory. There's nothing like that. There is no safe space, so to say. There's just, you know, uh, we're all adults and let's let's carry ourselves as such. So given that, do you, is there a community outside of Netflix that like that's within tech that you're then like, you know, I have my black space, there's a black tech community outside of the industry that I work in? Yeah, you guys now, right? <laughs> um, I would say you guys, for the most part, um, I've tried looking up a couple others, but as far as coders and actual software engineers, yeah, it's it's very yeah, okay. far and wide. People okay. would actually understand what we're kind of speaking of when we're thinking about, you know, continuous integration, deployment processes, Docker containers, Kubernetes. Once it, I, I've just noticed the higher you climb up that OSI model, uh, the, the fewer blacks you get to see. Uh, I work with a lot in the networking industry. Uh, I work with quite a few uh, black people. That was great. It was refreshing to see, yes, we are out here. Uh, but as I slowly take, take, took on coding and started to get into the software engineering realm, uh, you kind of start to see our numbers dwindle. And that's very sad. Yeah, that's true. I think I've definitely had the exact same experience um, where I'd go to tech events and I would see people who are in tech, but then you don't see people who are software developers. I'd, I'd never met a black woman who was a software developer until I set up Coding Black Females. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, it's the same here. It's the yeah. same here. So. Well, you should definitely tell everybody about us. Just spread definitely. the Most <laughs> oh, definitely. That's for yeah. sure. No, it's really cool. No, it's really, it's been really good hearing such an insight into the work that you do. Um, I feel as though I don't, I don't really hear much about cloud engineering just because I'm, I'm a, I'm a Java developer primarily. That's what I do. Okay. So I don't yeah. think about the cloud. I probably should think about it. Probably should know more about probably. it. Probably. What do you mean yeah. probably? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just so I definitely should know more about the cloud. That's that's definitely true. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. I guess it's. Do you think that the certifications then and stuff like that that you've done to get into it have been really valuable? So you mentioned doing some work with Cisco. No. No. Oh, okay. No. no um, my Sorry. bachelor. My yeah. My degree hasn't really been useful. And the work that I do, a lot of the work that I do has been self-taught just off my own initiative, picking up a book or 
creating your own AWS account. Remember, AWS offers free accounts for a year, so you can use, they have free tier of their resources, so you can literally get on there. That's pretty much what I did. Got a free account and started launching instances and seeing how to automate uh, the launching of these instances. So it's not so much that you wanna be able to log into AWS and click around on a button to actually get a server up and running. It's more so you wanna do that programmatically uh, because a AWS offers so many APIs for, for just automating a lot of these these mundane tasks that that like starting a server, like who cares if I can log on and click a button, I would rather start a thousand servers at one time rather than clicking through one at a time. Uh, that's scalability. So uh, it's more so getting a AWS account. It's a free account for a year. Uh, you can use all of their free tier unless you have some crazy app that you want to build and you're going to be taking on crazy traffic and you know you're, you're not going to be able to use those free tier resources. But uh, just to get your feet wet and get your, your foot in the door, I would say, yeah, open up an account, GCP, Google's cloud platform. Uh, they also offer free uh, resources for the first year. So uh, Microsoft Azure uh, as well. So there's definitely uh, routes and ways to, to, you know, up your cloud knowledge and really up your skill set in it at a very low cost. That's really interesting. I hadn't, yeah, normally people are like, yeah, get the certifications, get all of the certifications. So you haven't had, you haven't done any of the AWS certifications? I, no, I have no AWS certifications. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, no, I did, I thought about it then. It's like, why? Yeah. Um, when you already kind of know how to do this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, because they're not really, a, a job isn't really looking for certs. They're looking for knowledge. Uh, yeah. They want to see, what what projects you've actually you, you'll have a better time you'll have an easier time getting a, a tech job by having a github with some actual code up on it uh that you've maybe it's some scrappy code it doesn't matter just get get you a free github account commit some code to that account and put that on your resume that shows the employer that you're taking initiative on your own time to to keep your skill you know up to and fresh and it shows them that you you're you're a guy you know what you're doing here's here's my code this is this is what i wrote so um no one else is going to commit their code to your github that's kind of yeah taboo <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's really yeah that's really useful to know i yeah so it's more about having that visibility having the experience that you can sort of demonstrate and say look this is what i've done um i haven't not not saying that people who are working towards certification shouldn't do it, but maybe it's also worth having that other background. It depends on which industry, um, because yeah, within these these as they call them fangs or whatever you want to call them, uh, they're not big on certs. Uh, Google, AWS, or Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook—they're not big on certs at all. But they um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's something for them to do, right? Um, but ultimately, the architects aren't the guys who are certified, they are the guys who are actually building this stuff to yeah. create the certification. So um, it's like show your value through your work, not through a cert. A certification only tests so much knowledge. Uh, in the real world work environment, as I said, I've not used too much of anything. I've got a small, only the, the, the CSINT. This was like the very first level of Cisco certifications and after i saw that really didn't add too much value besides getting i guess me in the door sure 
Um, but after that, yeah, no one asked for a certification for the last, yeah, 12 years I've been working in the field. Oh, okay. So, but you did just say that that first one was valuable. That first one opened the door. But as I also said, getting a free AWS account and getting a GitHub and putting up some code uh, to show how you've automated something is just as good as a certain, and it's free. All it takes is your time and yeah, that's it. Time and paying attention. Oh, fantastic. And you'll actually have something out of it as well. You'll have exactly. the thing that you built. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Learning cool. by doing, right? Absolutely. So we have had loads of questions come in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to start working through them. Lorna, I don't know if you want to help as well. Yeah, I think. Thank you again, Rajin, for all that wisdom and all the gems that you provided. I'm sure in terms of Netflix being such a prestigious space, um, I saw a mention of what type of skills, you know, how do you get on Netflix radar? Do you think there is a Netflix type? So uh, I would say, is there a Netflix type? No, it's, it's, it's very diverse. As I said, Netflix is very diverse uh, from what I've seen as far as its workforce. Um, so I wouldn't say there's a set type of person. What they do look for is our engineers. Um, and a lot of the time, senior engineers, they, they don't really like to hire junior engineers straight out of college. There are a few, of course, uh, there are, you know, those anomalies out, but for the most part, they want people who have been in the industry and have a proven track record uh, of about five years or more. Uh, they want to see that you've actually developed solutions. They want to see that you've actually dealt with the cloud, that you've actually worked with a lot of these workflows, as well as know the industry and the lingo. So the entertainment industry has its own lingo. And as you know, Netflix doesn't consider itself a tech company, it's a media and entertainment company. So. Uh, it's knowing the entertainment lingo, uh, understanding how to work with producers, editors, content creators, because these are not tech people. So it's, it's, a, it's a fine line between soft skills, hard skills, and, and, and kind of trying to be just awesome at the same time. So um, it's, been, it's been real. I would say, yeah, for the most part, get your experience um, and prove that yeah, your products and your solutions are at value. Uh, I got on through, um, I just went on a whim. I was working at Fox uh, or 21st Century Fox and I was tired. They were ignoring my work. Uh, they were literally, when you think of typical, you know, discrimination, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can think that that's what I went through before going to Netflix, which is why. I, I chose Netflix and, and kind of went there and it just so happened worked out. But at the same time, there was a lot of, there was an intense interview process. Um, they really want to see that you know how to de deliver a solution, uh, regardless of whether it's a software app or an infrastructure app. Uh, they want to know that, yeah, because we give you so, they give us so much autonomy that, yeah, if, if we do the wrong thing and put this out into production, uh, it does have the potential to be customer facing or if it's not customers, Netflix customer facing, it could be our internal clients that, that end up not being able to use the product or find some issues that are going to hinder their workflows. And that's just bad for, for the business. So just come with a senior level of experience and a proven track record. Uh, as I said, the things that'll get that 
free AWS account, GitHub, CloudFormation, uh, that's a service that they run, lets you automate cloud resources. So if you can prove to most of these employers that you know things like CloudFormation and AWS, uh, and you have some type of code to back that up, then yeah, it's gonna be pretty hard for them to tell you no, because it's not a lot of people out there with that type of experience at the moment. Amazing. And do you think that having a media background or an entertainment background, and then with that, having all the experience that you've sort of talked about, that would be, do you think that would having be a media background would be really valuable, basically? That would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. that would be ideal. Uh, Activision kind of taught me how to go around within the media and entertainment industry, dealing with producers, dealing with directors, uh dealing with sound guys uh editors it didn't matter so just kind of understanding that lingo and what their expect what their expectations are uh from a systems perspective will go definitely a long way in this industry well yeah as lorna said like thank you so much for such an insight into what it's like doing your role and all your experiences and the sort of skills that you need i know that that would have been really valuable to a lot of people um, I'm going to start running through the questions and um, we'll see how we get on. So um, let's start. So I've got somebody here who has said that she is about to start a coding bootcamp. Okay. She lives with family, but is really tempted to get a part-time job. Do you think she should concentrate? She should just concentrate and give all, her all to the course. Uh, it's hard to say because uh, it depends on your, if you have that support, I would say if she has that support system and she knows for sure that she can really just be at home uh, and, and really focus on that. But if you do need a part-time job for whatever reason, and it may take time away, because as I said, I worked full-time and went to school full-time. It depends on how many yeah cycles you have, so to say. If you have the cycles and you think you have the motivation to actually take on uh, both of those tasks, going to school and working part-time, by all means, do it. It's very possible. It's not impossible. Uh, it's more so what you're willing to bite off. Um, coding boot camps, I've heard, are pretty rigorous, and they are, yeah, very intense and involved, so it, it definitely would, would be more feasible for you to kind of put all your focus into the coding boot camp if you could. Mm -hmm. But, of course, real life happens, so by all means, if you have to juggle both, do it. Don't give up any of them. Um, if you have to juggle them, by all means, go through it because it is worthwhile. Thank you. Um, we have another question. You kind of answered some of it, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Have you, how much, what level of experience is Netflix looking for in a cloud engineer, which sounds like um, quite senior level, mm -hmm. um, but what hard soft skills are required to get into that sort of role? Exactly. So for the cloud engineering portion, it requires, of course, uh, in-depth knowledge of cloud services, whether it be AWS, uh, Google Cloud, or Microsoft Azure. Primarily in Netflix, we use Netflix, uh, AWS because, yeah, Netflix assigned a huge contract a long time ago to basically have a portion of AWS take its uh, traffic. So we are heavily ingrained in, in AWS workflows and resources. So uh, for hard skills, yeah, AWS, uh, learning how to automate infrastructure, uh, understanding things like CI, CD, and what a Jenkins instance is and how a, so a piece of software is built. Because we're not just building the Netflix app, we're building supporting software. 
Uh, it's not just the actual package, the app that you see, it's the supporting software that goes behind that to make sure we have things like trending values and statistics and user data and infrastructure resource data. So understanding how to pull devices in a program or programmatically to pull that data and then store it uh, in the cloud, that will definitely make you a shoe in for a position. Uh, soft, soft skills, we're big on our culture. Uh, if you really want to know what it, the soft skills are required, you can look up the Netflix culture memo. Uh, it's all across the internet. Uh, Reed Hastings posted this on the internet about 10 years ago. And uh, I guess uh, Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, she really kind of evangelized this thing. So uh, that culture deck is really what Netflix is all about. I thought they were joking because they were so strong on it during the interview process and how do you fit with a culture but it's really it makes sense once you get in, in involved because you see like as they say one of their values is dream team working for a dream team so everyone knows what the dream team was from the basketball so it's like yeah we want to bring the best people to do the best work um another one would be feedback understanding how to take feedback. Don't take it as, you know, destructive criticism. Uh, take it as feedback is simply what it is. It's simply feedback on hopefully you'll understand what's being said and you can address whatever it may be. There's both positive feedback and negative, but uh, just understanding how to take that feedback uh, is, is huge and core to, to, to what we do because there's a lot of smart people in Netflix. So there's a lot of people who think that they know what to do. and that tends to clash with others. And when you clash with two smart people, it's usually not gonna find any solutions. So uh, that feedback mechanism offers us the chance to really listen and say, hey, did I do something wrong or what can I do better? That's, yeah, I think feedback. Um, so our work has started using the Netflix feedback model. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like really big, like we have to think about exactly. feedback all the time. That's exactly. really useful. Um, so somebody has said they've heard, they've been hearing a lot about Unreal Engine with the whole Apple situation. Mm -hmm. Could you give some more experience on your experience? Could you give some more information on your experience with it? So my experience, I'm not too sure what Apple is doing, but what we're doing, we're trying to pretty much provide virtual production environments. So you have a production environment, which usually involves having a set, a stage, you know, props, characters, cast, all of that. Um, so, of course, with Unreal Engine, the newest version, the latest version offers great resolution and all of this crisp viewing. So we're now leveraging uh, the Unreal Engine for collaboration purposes so our artists can actually collaborate across the material that they're uh, actually, you know, developing or creating, as well as maintaining it and rendering this, this content and sending it off to the various paths. So. Uh, within this virtual production environment, we have about six components that we're deploying. We're trying to basically containerize all of this, put these in Docker containers for portability. Uh, for instance, if we have to set up a virtual set in the middle of the forest, because there may be a forest scene and we want to capture that, that content and then store it in our virtual environment for rendering of other assets within that forest. So for instance, now, uh, within on Unreal Engine, you'll be able to say shoot at the within that forest, but then save that data and then render say some crazy 3D looking wolf 
within the forest at the same time that looks as though he was really actually there. So uh, it's a combination of VFX and the Unreal Engine uh, editor. So it's been real. It's a, it's a number of components. I don't know if you heard of things like Shotgun, um, Perforce. That's just uh, Perforce is a, a media or repository. I wouldn't say media, but just a repository like Git. Uh, GitHub. So uh, they're storing video metadata assets within there. These assets are then getting mapped to assets within something called Shotgun, which is a, 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 a media workflow processor. Uh, within that, we have our Unreal Engine network. All of this is all set up within its own network. As we said, we're putting this all into containers. Uh, so Docker containers for portability and uh, ease of use, of course. And yeah, it's just, just all coming together so far. Now we're working on the support stuff like logging and metrics and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's been real. Unreal. Tag on to that as well, because that's the area that I'm entering. Um, I'm the head of production and visual effects producer that's mm -hmm. entering into virtual production, in fact, on a potential Netflix project. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's such a... An emerging and exploding field there's a lot mm -hmm. of exploration happening at the moment so mm -hmm. if people are interested in looking at what frontier technologies and how to support frontier technologies within the creative technology space um, that might be something to look into mm -hmm. that Rajin is, is highlighting here um, there aren't that many players unreal is very new um, in terms of using this technique to real time basically stream creative to those who are trying to tell these stories live in situ and a lot of it is um so new and so fresh so it could be a target area if anyone's of interest you know because there's a low kind of barrier to entry because it's such a fresh scene mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if the person was also talking about epic and apple um i don't know if any of us can get involved with that. I don't know if that's what Sorry. that person meant. Um, yeah, they all, Epic Games. Yeah, we all, we're all aware of the, the battle that's going on there. I suppose we'll just see what, what happens. Yeah, that one, I wouldn't have too much insight. Uh, you're talking about the, the, the pricing or them being priced out of the App Store or something like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's way above my pay Yeah, rate. I think the person <laughs> just advised, yeah, with Epic Games, I think like everyone else probably on this call and not we're all just watching tentatively to see who wins <laughs> i'm literally like there's so many things that you've spoken about i'm really interested in this industry now um, <laughs> and i'm sure a lot of other people will be as well i've only ever like worked in consultancies building like form websites Mm -hmm. put stuff in databases and you're talking about rendering a wolf so that it looks like it's in a forest yeah it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be unreal exactly it's really it's like it's we're trying to stay at the bleeding edge of entertainment tech um with rendering we're trying to bring new products to the industry with a lot of the stuff we're building uh it's not usually it, yeah we're not just doing it for our use only we're really trying to build new products uh for the greater industry so we can move the industry forward just the, because when you go to a disney studio when you go to a fox studio it's very typical it's 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 typical it's like old-fashioned way old-fashioned hollywood let's it's it's really old-fashioned outdated outmoded ways of thinking 
and Netflix is starting to bring that fresh look on how we can actually create content in the most efficient, feasible, fast-paced manner. Yeah, that's. I guess it's because the, the the way they started, they started a lot, like they're a lot newer, so they could exactly. actually use the stuff that was available. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's so exciting. So somebody has asked, how does working on infrastructure and as a cloud engineer differ differ from being a software developer? Uh, not to down software developers or anything. It's just more involved. We don't just deal with the software. I will find myself just, I'll write an application for an actual cloud uh, infrastructure that I will then deploy. Uh, for instance, there was um, a, a piece of software that I ended up writing at Fox, which would basically scan, uh, virus scan media assets. So this was an automated process, an application that would ingest media assets uh, that required the actual software to be written. So you had to actually write functions, classes, methods. It was a Rails app, the whole involved thing. But then on top of the cloudy or the cloudy stuff, you have to understand how to deploy that software, how to build that software, how to reliably deploy that software, how to scale that software. Um, so, for instance, I'm taking media assets in at any given time, for instance, during World Cup, when Fox hosted the World Cup, we would be passing anywhere from 16 petabytes of data between LA and Russia. So, uh, all this 16 petabytes of data would need to be virus scanned, so we're not making, you know, we're not putting things in our database that could ultimately corrupt it or onto our file system. So. Uh, as you can imagine, that requires a ton of resources, uh, understanding when to trigger those resources so you're not overcompensating any of your other resources or overtaxing uh, your other resources is a kind of a, it's a skill set that the cloud engineer brings. Uh, so it's a combination of both. Uh, that's just for me, a lot of cloud engineers are solely tasked in scaling the infrastructure so they don't have to worry about the actual say rails app or a javascript app or front end a react app or whatever it may be they just worry about getting that deployed onto some cloud infrastructure so for instance bundling it with jenkins building it with jenkins uh your ci cd pipeline from there having some other workflow management tool whether it's self-written or a product uh that's offered to actually then go out take that tarball or that bundled package application and deploy it onto an actual cloud resource for usage. Uh, so that's pretty much where the cloud engineer comes in is getting that application, that software built that the software developer wrote and from getting it built, getting it deployed and scaled in a, in a cloud service. Okay, so it could actually be then that a lot of people who are doing software engineering roles if they're doing that full process that really they part of them they are kind of like a cloud engineer exactly, well. exactly. Yeah. okay i hadn't realized that i thought that it's uh, more so are you able to scale that though do you know uh, which okay. yeah exactly yeah. do you can you write up yeah because we're still writing code uh as a cloud engineer you're still going to write code you're just not writing uh you know classes in a manner of a rails app or a react app it's yeah. it's just its own function to to go and deploy uh, this code, this package onto this server. Um, as I said, AWS has its own little language called cloud formation that's used to actually kind of do that for you. Or you can click around and do it the old fashioned way. But yeah, you're still gonna be writing code though, as a cloud mm -hmm. engineer. 
Um, are you able to talk more around the cloud security authentication and authorization that you implement in your area of Netflix? Exactly. So Netflix makes it easy for us. Um, I didn't have to do too much because they have an ecosystem and a framework already built out that their tech guys have built out years ago to kind of self to maintain all of that. So when we deploy our applications through something called Spinnaker, uh, Spinnaker is an open source tool, uh, cloud management tool. You guys can check it out. It was developed by Netflix. Um, but Spinnaker is our core cloud management platform uh, within this it has triggers and, and hooks that basically hook into other services such as our identity management service uh, for our security purposes. Within the cloud, there's something called security groups. Uh, these security groups are simply firewall rules uh, at your AWS instance or your AWS resource. So uh, you wanna pretty much think of a security group as the firewall and that's what you're allowing various ports that your application is gonna be required to communicate on to the cloud so you have that this is all done through spinnaker for us we don't have to manually log into the aws console it's kind of automated through this framework uh it takes a lot to get spinnaker up and running but that's another task you guys can probably do to kind of work on your skill set if you guys really want to get spinnaker up and running that that would be a huge achievement for anyone uh as this is the core to what netflix uses to actually deploy uh its infrastructure its services everything so uh that takes care of all the security it comes kind of out of the box for you um they've developed a lot of their own in-house solutions that we use uh for identity management for security purposes for access control uh, a lot of that is done through our third-party applications that they've developed in-house um for instance something we have our own version of okta uh, so we don't use Okta. Uh, we actually use, uh, what is the other one called? Uh, Ping. Yeah, Ping. So on top of Ping, we've built our own IDP. Uh, there's a framework called Ping, uh, which is an IDP provider. It's open source or paid for. Uh, the federated version is paid for, and we've kind of used that to piggyback off of to implement our own identity management providers. So it's all in-house, but it's, it's heavily managed. Definitely heavily managed. Nothing talks to the world without a something called a load balancer. Uh, so Amazon has these things called elastic load balancers. If you want to front anything to the internet, the, the public internet, you should be putting it behind something called a load balancer because it's just, yeah, that's best practices. So yeah, we try to maintain security at the top of our yeah list. Consider our security guys are always involved in shutting down projects and everything else if they can't find a, a good way of getting it secure. That's, yeah, that's, I guess it, that sounds like it then, so there's like a, you're always putting, deploying or whatever into an environment that's already relatively secure. So it's an entire mm -hmm. security team that looks after it. Exactly. And um, they'll sort of check that you've met all the- security. They'll get an alert, exactly. They'll yeah. get an alert if you say yeah. have yeah. anything open to the world and it's on say the internal VPC as they would call it in AWS, then they'll get an alert and it'll be a trigger to shut that instance down automatically. Mm -hmm. So you'll just end up losing your application or your server because yeah, it wasn't properly secured. So yeah, they have a lot of yeah safeguards and guardrails to keep you from being exposed. 
That's good. At least you know that you're safe. <laughs> you can't break anything. <laughs> you'd be, you'd feel horrendous if you pulled down, you brought down Netflix, like you were the guy that did that. Exactly. And they wanted to eliminate that. That even, that's <laughs> never going to be possible. Not, no one person can ever take down Netflix. That's good. Excellent. Um, so with COVID, I imagine, so this is a question that's come in as well. Um, with COVID, I imagine that the load on the systems in Netflix has been horrendously increased like massively increased and even i know from my household it has been so um, how has netflix infrastructure coped with this load aws okay. uh, aws is how we cope with any load uh, of any magnitude uh, aws has the resources there uh, it's just a matter of you know they're on demand so uh, we have really savvy cloud engineers really savvy networking guys who have ultimately built a self-healing network, almost neural network to run Netflix on. So uh, we're able to kind of preemptively see load coming on uh, and pre-warm, so to say, resources to basically start to take on that, 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 that load. Now, of course, there will be blips. You may, as a user, see, oh, you get that little error message, try again or whatever it is. But that might that that would just be meaning that more resources are going to be spun up and you were directed to one of the resources that most likely is already overloaded. But please believe usually when you refresh it, you most likely your your application or your film is already it's back. So that that kind of shows you that those new resources have come online, they've been proven to be healthy, and they're ready to take traffic. Okay. That's good. I'm glad. I'm really, really glad. Yeah, yeah, no worries. We're not going to go down. Don't worry. Thank yeah, you. We'll never go I was down. really. <laughs> I bought lots of DVDs at the beginning of the pandemic just in case. I was like, no, ready in case no. Netflix went down. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I to not tell anybody that. Like, that's supposed to be my little secret. I should have told you. Man, no, everyone knows <laughs> I'm imagining you panic buying DVDs whilst everyone else is getting <laughs> toilet tissues. Exactly, right? Everyone else is getting toilet tissues. She's walking around with like a basket. I'll be fine. I've got entertainment. Exactly. <laughs> so um, someone's asked, do you mentor slash have a mentor within Netflix to champion the non-white people in tech? No, <laughs> to be frank, no. Um, I didn't use a mentor. I've really never used a mentor. I haven't come across anyone who, who truly could mentor, who could be a good mentor for me. So I just haven't gone down that route. I'm open to mentoring. Uh, whoever reaches out to me, I kind of want to scrape my brain for whatever. I'm always open to it. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn or whatever at me on the gram. However you want to do it. I don't have a lot of Grammy friends anyway. So that'll be cool. <laughs> If you want to get mentored, that's a new grand friend. <laughs> but no, so we'll, it's, uh, we'll find you 10 people to mentor. That's fine. Thank you. Just yeah, that's up. that's no problem. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, oh, fantastic. Like I said, I mean, yeah, I, I'll, I'll find time. It may not be immediately, but I'll definitely get back to them. It's not Amazing. Be, that's uh, really good. Thank you. I'm here to champion for us. It's like, like, if I can do whatever I can do being in the situation I'm in, I'm definitely all for it. Amazing. Um, so Netflix, is that based just in America, like just in LA or are there no. other 
development? Yeah, we have uh, units in Amsterdam, Korea, Japan, uh, Dublin, I believe. I think it's in Dublin, I'm not sure. But yeah, the UK as well, Canada. Yeah, uh, South. we're in Brazil, uh, we're in Mexico. We have offices. So pretty much wherever Netflix is offered, we have an office there. Okay, so at least when you're chomping for people. Yeah, exactly, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys know anyone of, that may want to work out of the Amsterdam office and maybe has a certain particular skill set, uh, feel free to pass their resume along and yeah, I'll take a look over it and see from there. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, just to show you I'm not kind of going crazy, I just got a friend hired. So it's like, if you guys have the skills and all of that, we're always hiring. Um, just shoot me a tab, shoot me a, your resume. And uh, if, if it's not strong enough, of course, let's, let's go at the mentor stuff and let's get your skills up and uh, possibly get you a job there. Um, this is a great company, great organization. Um, of course, you're going to go through stuff, but you're going to do that anyway. Regardless yeah. of where you go, so you might as well work for a great company while going through it. That's amazing. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being there to champion for us and Definitely. what we're trying to do. That's amazing. Um, with recent events, do you feel that large firms such as Netflix are paying lip, lip service to change things, or do you feel there is actual real change? No, it's lip service. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm not too big of an optimist in the first place when it comes to race relations. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, it's, it's lip service. Uh, as they said, yeah, Netflix has thrown in $100 million into black banks in America, but nobody knows that after about a year, they can have the choice to withdraw all $100 million and put it back to wherever bank they feel they want it in. So it's, it's like, there's not really sustainable change happening across any of these industries. Uh, all these diversity initiatives are, are, are still just lip service and, and on, on the surface just for face value. Um, it's, hey, look at us, but at the end of the day, when only 2% of your engineers are black and we're 13% of the population in America, something has to be wrong. And it's not a talent pipeline or a skills issue or a school pipeline issue. It's them just simply overlooking black people um and I, I i definitely see a i'm trying to change it within netflix uh seeing showing them that the value we bring is is worth it uh we actually have skills that are highly sought after we're not yeah we're we're valuable uh we don't just matter we're, we're highly valuable so um being in my position i'm glad that i've been able to kind of show that and prove that uh and evidently my work kind of goes a bit, has a bit of weight considering, yeah, my friend got hired. So I can't wait for that referral bonus. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're helping everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. If I can get 10 of you guys hired, perfect. I'm getting both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so somebody's asked, with the social dynamic being what it is in the US as it relates to BLM, do you feel that we're benefiting then when it comes to job, search job searches, since lots of companies are trying to show their support? <sighs> yeah. Um, I don't know if it's really having an impact on the employment of black people in any country. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, uh, 
I was in the UK, I saw kind of how things were in the corporate world there in Germany, saw it's similar to the US. And uh, I, for me, honestly, the fight that we're fighting isn't the right fight. Um, as I said, we don't have, I'm starting to see, we just don't have the skill sets there to, you know, I, my cousin, he's just graduated college uh, just recently and he's wondering what he's gonna do, but he has a bachelor's in IT. And I'm like, yo, Tableau, if you wanna be in finance, learn Tableau. Uh, it's like we have to start opening our eyes a bit more and thinking outside of the box rather than being so, you know, just directed and tunnel visioned into one particular goal because ultimately what Black Lives Matter are fighting for is not going to create equal employment opportunities. Ultimately, the, their agenda isn't to create equal or equal employment opportunity. It's to address police violence. Um, it's to address police brutality. Uh, of course, there's an underlying tone there of we want equal employment opportunities. We want nice salaries comparable to our white colleagues. We want there's that underlying tone, of course, but it's not being just said, just outright. Like we're so focused on the police brutality of of black people, which is of course wrong. Uh, but we need to change the narrative. Uh, to more economic stability rather than so focused on the police brutality of it because I've been stopped by the police many times, honestly. Uh, sure, I fear for my life, uh, but at the end of the day, I've been able to walk away from it. Um, I've been able to drive off with no tickets most of the time, not even as much as a citation. So I do know there, there are good cops out there. They're not all crazy and bad. Uh, but it's also a, a manner of how we kind of carry ourselves, what we're into, what we're doing. Uh, I'm sorry, but we've been ignoring the fact that a lot of this that's been happening hasn't been happening to, so to say, us that are on this call. People who, you know, we know how to maneuver through this society. We know the discriminations we can face. Uh, we know that there's racism. We know this exists. So we know how to maneuver because we've seeked education. And we've built a life for ourselves to kind of not, you know, block us from it. Because as I say, I get pulled over every day, or not every day, but I've been pulled over as well by cops. But it hasn't ended, similar to a Philando Castile or, you know, the others, Sandra Bland and, and all of those others. It hasn't ended similarly. So uh, it's it's more so of understanding our, our, our position in this society and understanding how to maneuver in it. And we've lost, lost, uh, yeah, that direction. Yeah, I feel like we could. It's space value though. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. all lip service. It's not gonna change salaries. Yeah. It's not gonna increase black employment uh, or any of that. It's only gonna come from us almost. Um, I feel as though nobody else has our interest Interest. Other than us. That's so, what I told them at work. Yeah. They were expecting me to be the black voice of everyone after the George Floyd thing. So it's better to just be frank and blunt rather than sugarcoating things. It's like yeah. there's no real legislation being changed. Yeah. I mean, we're on the streets, but no one's not one. I have not seen a Black Lives Matter lobbyist. Mm -hmm. Who's lobbying on Capitol Hill for Black Lives Matter? A lobbyist is 50 to $60 an hour. Who has enough money in the black community to pay someone to champion a bill or a law for us at 50 to $60 an hour? We know Jay-Z's not doing it, right? 
the, the, the entertainers definitely aren't doing it. Uh, they thinking, uh, let's not play a basketball game for a weekend and think we've made a change. So unfortunate for us. I feel as though we could we could have like a good few hours <laughs> talking about definitely, this. yeah. We can definitely talk about yeah, I have we a lot of opinions on this. And hours and hours. And I know that, you know, it's been it's been such a topic that's exhausted and um I don't know, just really triggered a lot of people and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. it's been a really difficult time, I think, for everybody. The emotions knows. though, yeah, the emotions are running high and it's not enough logic being yeah. mixed in. But um anyway. To move on to another question. Um, we have somebody who's asked, are you able to give, <laughs> to go right back to tech, sorry. I don't know. Yeah, definitely, no, yeah. all good. Are you able to give a brief overview of um, GCP versus AWS? Yes, uh, I like GCP more uh, than AWS. Actually, it's more programmer friendly. Uh, if you're used to working with APIs and making API calls via HTTP or HTTPS or using uh what is it rpc code all of that stuff you'll love gcp uh it's mostly it's a lot easier as far as security wise uh if you're familiar with aws they have these idea of access keys so you have to have a certain set of access keys to actually use any of your resources access your resources launch them gcp uses a different uh paradigm so to say uh in that uh, it's similar to SSH, to where you're just getting your own public key, public private key pair, and they're pretty much doing some little magic on their side to make it equate to, yeah, that's your user within our GCP platform. So um, I've built a pretty big application in GCP when at Fox, and I did it primarily through the API. All the resources, load balancers, re, uh, instances the server everything was done through the api i didn't have to log into the console and click anything and it was done with basic http calls i didn't have to download a third lab like a third party G, gcp library it was raw http it was so that's what i would say uh gcp has an advantage over aws and is just accessibility of its resources and how you can access those resources hmm. okay Cool. Um, yeah, that's really useful actually. I hadn't, I've only used a bit of Azure, a bit of AWS. I've never actually used GCP. So yeah. it might be one to have a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone's asked how you become a solutions engineer. I think you've sort of said, you know, get an AWS account, set some stuff up, have a go. Yeah. But you were sort of saying that at Netflix, um, to get into Netflix, you've got to be a senior engineer. Um, you're not really going to get in as a junior. Are there? Do you always have to have loads and loads of experience to be a cloud engineer, or is there another way to get into it? Yeah, you can try googling junior cloud engineers. You're not going to probably find a lot of positions open okay. uh, just by googling junior cloud engineer because it's such a it's systems engineering. Cloud engineers are pretty much senior systems engineers they understand how a data center is built they understand how an application functions it's not so much of me knowing how to log in and just launch an ec2 instance or launching an instance on gcp it's understanding that under that underlying infrastructure and that under those underlying processes that are required to get a system up and running it doesn't matter whether it's running in the cloud or in a data center it's that those underlying components that bring all that together 
for you to actually deliver an application that is useful. Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing the same, if you can deploy something in a data center, like on your on-prem, your orgs data center, if you, if you can automate that, then it's just a matter of learning the APIs within AWS. But as far as the resources that you're deploying, it's similar to what you would deploy in a standard data center, a server, a database, a cache, uh, a load balancer. And we're talking to your application now. Uh, it's just now it's in the cloud, so to say. Okay. Well, thank you. That was insightful. That's the last of the questions. Oh, nice. That's been absolutely fantastic. I know that I've seen a lot of people say, like, this has been really amazing, really useful. And the fact that you've offered support, like, we're definitely going to... Yeah, reach out to me. Definitely gonna I'm going to be on paternity leave anyway for a while, so I'll have some cycles to reach out. So you've got out. loads and loads of free time. <laughs> time? I have, I'll, I'll make a couple of cycles for you guys. Fantastic. I'll open up a couple of cycles. Thank you. Do you have any advice you would give um, or last notes? Um, so you mentioned a few books earlier as well. Like, do you have mm -hmm. any advice or anything that you would suggest to people as like your last like, remark, yeah. remarks almost? Uh, languages to learn, uh, Python, JavaScript. Uh, I started with Ruby mainly because uh, yeah, I wanted to get into web dev. So I started with Rails and from there, it's just blossomed into this, but uh, learning programming, understanding the value and how to structure a function, understanding how to object oriented, or object OOP, basically understanding objects within your programming languages and how to instantiate those using big words, uh, but create a, a, an object for you to actually do something with. Uh, code is gonna be core to this. Uh, you're you're going to want to know how to code, whether it's JavaScript, uh, Ruby, Python, it doesn't matter. But one of those languages is, is for sure going to give you a shoe in or a, a foot in the door. Uh, as I said, get and then with that language, build something. Um, with that language, build something. Uh, the, the easiest way to a job is just to build something. Um, if you really want to just amaze these people in an interview, send them a link to a GitHub with some code. Um, they will then see that will speak volumes because a lot of these hiring managers and they don't understand code anyway. They just want a, the illusion of you knowing what you're doing and Git, GitHub does that. Whether you know it or not, um, it provides them that security of this guy codes. Uh, and everyone wants a coder these days. And if you're a good coder, you're worth your weight in gold. Fantastic. That is amazing advice. Thank you so much. Everyone get out there, build your projects, make sure people can see what you're doing, be visible. Um, that's going to get you hired. That's amazing. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited about entertainment and all that. Like, I, yeah, I, wouldn't, I want to yeah. talk to you for a few more hours, but we haven't got the time. But no. Yeah, if you want to set something else up, I'm, as I said, I'll be free. I can make some cycles, uh, open up some time for you guys if, if need be. I'm gonna add that to my list. <laughs> Thanks to follow up. <laughs> no, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I know the community's really, really it, like enjoyed it. Um, to anybody who's asking if we can re-watch on YouTube, you absolutely can. It's available on YouTube at the moment. Well, we've just, yeah, it's, it's on there right now. So you can feel free to go there and watch it. And it's also gonna be a podcast, so you can listen to it there too. Um, so absolutely available. And 
I will capture the details of all the people who have said that they would like you to be a mentor and then we'll okay. figure out how best to work that. Uh, LinkedIn probably is the easiest way. Okay. Oh, can you share actually your, the details of how people can find you? How can people find yeah, you? Yeah, actually. As I said, I'm not a Grammy guy, so. I'll I just... could do that for you, Raji. Yeah, perfect. thank you. Fly some links for everyone. Um, we're super keen exactly. to bridge these gaps between en um, entertainment and technology and to start opening up as we've kind of touched on in our conversation. There are so many new and undiscovered careers that don't get shouted out about. And when I um, was connected to you, Rajin, I was just like, this has to be something connecting to coding black females. So thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Rajin. Um, expect more folks, because I'm really keen to, to get you knowing about what people are doing in the space that I work in. Nice. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lorna, for for connecting us and exactly. making Exactly, thank you. Exactly, for the DM, right? That was like, she kind of slid in my DMs. I'm like, who is this? And then she's like, professional work. I'm like, I'm on board. Yeah, let's go, I'm on board. <laughs> so, like, great. I'm definitely on board for working with you guys more in the future. Uh, any initiatives you guys may have going on, shoot them my way. Uh, if you guys do anything, coding challenges, boot camps, if you, it, it's a lot, because I know there's not a lot for our community in the first place, especially mentorship uh you know possibilities so uh anything feel free to reach out to me um i'm definitely an open book amazing thank you you heard it, everybody reach out um lorna's going to be sharing the details of how to find rajin this is i'm um, so excited honestly so glad about this really excited that we've got this connection now um, and i can see really good things coming from it perfect thank you so much okay um well, that's it. That's it, right? All right. Well, I'll get back to being new daddy. Yeah, you go be a dad. <laughs> See you Have guys. Thanks day. for having me again. And you guys enjoy the rest of your evening, wherever you are, afternoon, morning, whatever it may be. And thanks for having me again, guys. Thank you. See you soon. Uh, Thank you so much. Have bye. a great day. You too. Bye. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. To find out more about what we do, head to codingblackfemales.com.